Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. And we're getting a little spooky tonight. Getting spooky. Get spooky. It, yeah. It, 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 I think it kept up with my energy level tonight. <laughs> God. Scott is just rolling off a four-day binge in Chicago. Bin, of, thanks for, yeah, binge. Uh, okay, a metal concert binge. Uh, is, um, yeah, a metal fest in Chicago. Um, and yeah, beer. It's my first so. day back. Well, it wasn't Part necessarily binge. a beer fest. <laughs> it, you know, it was not part. It was full of beer. <laughs> Actually, no. You know, I got to say, like the last day, this we were. It was four days solid. Um, the third day, I petered out towards the end of the night and missed a band I wanted to see because I'm like, I just couldn't do it. I was, I'm like, I'm just too old for this crap. I'm starting to really feel it now. And then the last day. Yeah, I saw a f- few bands that I needed to see. I came there for, mm-hmm. and I was actually in bed about eight or nine o'clock, like the that last night. I'm like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I need to rest. We got a long drive back from Chicago tomorrow, back to Detroit. Uh, and my travel buddy Scotty, he even said it. His name's Scott, also. He um, he even said he's like, dude, I can tell because I was, you know, we're all we do is just gab in the car the whole way home to kill time and. He's like, I can tell that your energy, like, you're just out of it. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, I just want to get home. Well, then when shower. you have to drive for like six hours, that's not fun. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, perhaps we could have scheduled this on a later date, but I'm happy we did it because this was super interesting oh stuff. Oh, my Sterling gosh. Moon, oh I my knew. God. So um, recently Llewellyn sent us some books, Llewellyn Publishing, and I, I which I've said before. Like, Thank you, you for you doing that, me, by the you way. You send me free books. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. It's like sending me, like, pieces of gold. Yeah, our friends at Llewellyn Publishing. So uh, we got a book. They're always very good to us. We got a book uh, by Sterling Moon called Talking to Spirits, A Modern Medium's Practical Advice for Spirit Communication. And honestly, sometimes when I sit down and I read, I start going through these books, I'm like, it's going to be the same thing that I've read over and over and over. That happened with a lot of books on Wicca. Back in the day, like early O's, I was going to the store all the time and buying all these cool Wiccan books. We had the Wicca explosion of the arts. Well, it was true. It's true. And mm. I eventually I, I realized every single book I was buying was just kind of the recycled information from the last book I bought. Yeah. So then I just stopped. And I sold like a ton of them on eBay and was like, I'm done with that. Um, I got the stuff I'm interested in. I'm done. But anyway, reading, sitting down and reading this book uh, – First off, the magical experience was is Michigan just got the opportunity for the entire state won a trip to Florida. And in the beginning of April here, we got 84 degree weather, which is not normal. And it was amazing. I know a lot of the Midwest experienced an unusual warm up. but sweat this weekend was oh bizarre. Oh, my God. It is like. Yeah, the heat was beautiful. Because oh, yeah, we... there was no humidity. So it was just perfection. It was no, just No, no, no. Awesome. Yeah, I told you we got into Illinois last week and it was like 80, 85 oh, degrees ugh. and we were just we were all just dancing around we were yeah, all outside know. you know just to the excitement of doing what we were doing and then come um saturday i think it was saturday no it was sunday oh my god my brain stopped it's sunday a- yeah it was sunday i that's when the cold the cold i literally I, we, we went to bed saturday night yeah and yeah. I got up the next morning to run, go out and run for a while, sweat a little bit, I know. And, and it's it's snowing. It's I didn't snowing. even I didn't even know it though. I mean, we didn't the, the blinds were snowing. Isn't that cruel? Everything, you didn't everything even was know? Sho- well, that was a total like sensory. Ins- <laughs> it, it just it it miswired me because I walked. I'm like we're outside. I'm all excited to get in the weather and see the sun again. And it's like 35 oh, degrees horrible. and snowing, um, raining. I'm, there, I, there's a picture going around right now. Uh, in the Michigan circles of, because uh, I don't know if they're still doing this campaign, but for the longest time, Michigan had a tourism campaign called Pure Michigan. And there's just a picture of a drawing, cute little drawing. This is Pure Michigan. And it's a sandal with an ice skate on the bottom. 
I saw a guy today actually (laughs) with the lawnmower going over the snow on the yard, which I, and I've, you know, I I can say I've actually experienced that because I got, we we got snowed on in the middle, that last snow of the year, I'm trying to squeeze it in before like Thanksgiving or something. Oh yeah. And I beat the snow a little bit. I was mowing snow for a couple of laps. Yeah. Just trying to get that last snow in before Thanksgiving. But anyway, I started, I was able to sit in the backyard in a lawn chair and it was 80 some degrees. It's going to be nicer tomorrow now. And I was able to open up Sterling Moon's new book and start reading it. So it just made it all that more little magical for me. And it's just, it was surprisingly refreshing. It's easy to read. It's to the point. You don't need to be, you don't need to have any previous knowledge whatsoever uh, to pick up this book and just start learning basic spirit medium techniques. Uh, it, and like I'll say on the show, there was a lot of just, like I said, refreshing little things that I don't normally read in all of these books. I We didn't get to talk about spirit attachment because she mentions that um, spirit attachment was something we've brought up on previous shows. But I was sitting there thinking if I was going to attach myself to an object, no one better buy any of my like toys. Because they're gonna get like a haunted popple. Oh, the, the 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 yeah the gonna, if you the, yeah a haunted the energy shura, in this house. A haunted strawberry shortcake. Just all the evil that all the you know all the stuff happening around this house. Not bad what? evil, evil, but fun evil stuff. You think what is that? What do you mean fun evil we stuff? Party a lot here. A lot of parties happen oh. on the weekends here. A lot of evil music being played. Okay, and, but I'm just talking about how people put their energy into objects. And that's the only thing I forgot yeah. in my notes to touch on yeah, yeah. with um, Sterling. And I just it just thought, like, what would I attach myself to if I was a spirit? And I didn't want to leave it. I'd probably... A popple? Sp- like, all my collectibles. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe my... Probably my Shira dolls. If you bought my Shira collection, it might be haunted. But I'd be fun. I'd be fun. Like, you could leave offerings of snacks for me. My record collection. Um... Yeah, but you got to pull one out. And be like, bro, don't listen to that. Listen to something. Listen to this. <laughs> you keep hearing that <laughs> every that time. Sabbath you try. album sucks. This is the better Sabbath. <laughs> oh, I want to listen. I want to listen to this. Though. I want to yeah. listen to Kenny G. Put that back right put that, now. Put that garbage back. Put listen. That, just, just, here's a record. Here's a, here's how you party. Right you just here. rip albums. Your spirit rips albums out of people's hands and throws them into the. That's garbage. That's why I start breaking records. Yeah. Oh, spirit. oh, there you go. The, 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 so you're a poltergeist. The record breaking spirit of Shadley Manor, wherever the hell it somewhere. <laughs> That's going to be your legend? I'm the record-breaking spirit of Shadley Manor. Shadley Manor. That's, I don't know. That's too close to like Shat. I don't know about that. Shat. Shatley Manor. Shatley Manor. <laughs> All right. Stan- well, okay. Stanley Manor has been a million things. Okay. Stanley, is, if stupid. anyone out there is good at like super cute at graphic design or like um, something, you need to make uh, Scott the book cover for the legend. Of the, 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 the what is the it record, again? The record-breaking spirit of Shadley Manor. <laughs> Shadley. Okay. A new book. A new book. A new story. <laughs> The Adventures of the Record-Breaking. There you oh, go. Oh, the Adventures. The Adventures of the record, Record-Breaking okay. Spirit right. of Shadley Manor. Well, let me tell all the listeners about Sterling Moon. Yes. Sterling Moon has communicated with spirits since childhood and began officially practicing mediumship in 2016. Yes. She has been reading tarot since 1995 and teaching divination skills since 2013. She works with clients virtually and in person at her private office in the metaphysical shop, Ritual Craft. She teaches through her school, Sterling Moon Divination Academy, and is a longtime instructor at R- Ritual Craft School. Learn more at sterlingmoontarot.com where you can book a reading with her. We will have everything linked up on our site. Enjoy our show with Sterling Moon. Coming out of a 
All right, Scott. So if you... If yes, was, Amber, what can I do for you? If I was going to train you to become a medium, <laughs> would you want to do it? No. Why not? Because I am not psychic. Okay, but you learn, you practice, you become better at it. You use meditation. I'm too old and to ex- practice at anything. I'm tired. All I want to do is sit in the back oh, there and drink beer. You Okay. You think you're too old to that was learn the, this. That was, that was the, the subject of the entire weekend I was when I was at my metal fest all weekend, trying to rage like a 20-year-old. <laughs> and all I kept saying was, guys, you know, this is great. But man, I'm just getting worn out, and that was the theme for the weekend. So I'm going to answer every question. You think you're too elderly to become a medium? I'm too elderly. Oh, okay. To become a medium now. At I'm like what? Too, 40, 47? You are. Um, a little older than that. Well, Amber. 48. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not that far off. I feel so old. I I want. Sure, Amber. I'd love to become a psychic. What can I do? <laughs> what can God. I do to become a psychic? I, I want to believe in mediumship, really, really bad. Because you know, you know that we've we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And that you become kind of open-minded skeptics to a certain degree. Oh, yeah, We've totally, seen some totally. mediums that were like, oh, no, oh, no. Like, they, that, there's some ethics gone wrong there. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of stuff. And then we've met people that are amazing. Oh, totally. We've yeah. had people on the show that were are amazing. Some and, really profound stuff over the years. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some stuff that really, yeah, and, makes you think about things. And I just want really mediumship to be like a truth on this planet because sometimes I really feel like when we die that we just die and that's it and it's our like it's speaking the, of getting it's, old it's the, yeah. well I know and it's <laughs> the living that sustains the belief in ghosts spirits and an afterlife that give us comfort you know kind of like religion offers many people yeah um that comfort but I I want to know sometimes even though I'm like this agnostic sort of atheistic atheistic person I I want to believe that we continue on in some fashion. So mm-hmm. whether you believe in the possibility of spirits or not, mm-hmm. uh, they're part of our world. Quote, we walk in a haunted world is the first sentence written in Sterling Moon's introduction in her new book, Talking to Spirits, a Modern Medium's Practical Advice for Spirit Communication. So we are really happy to have Sterling Moon on tonight's episode. And we're going to we look forward yes, to talking about spirits cool. and ghosts, like kind of the roots of our show. So welcome to the show, Sterling. We're glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yay. So, of course, we're sitting here talking about, you know, whether we could become a medium or whether we want to become a medium. You weren't I don't really. Have the, I don't have the juice, man. Well, and you weren't really given a choice, I feel like, because yeah. this you had this since a kid. So I definitely got to go. We got to go back to your origin story and start out with how you started kind of just coming to terms with seeing these things that maybe other people in your life aren't seeing. I, I really want to know, like, if you told like told the quote adults <laughs> and what their responses were. So please tell us the beginnings. Yeah. So I feel like my early things didn't really get wild, woolly and wild for me until I was 36. That's when I had my son. And for whatever reason, that's really what like dialed things up in a super big way. But when I was little, you know, I just, I feel like I was kind of (laughs) normal in certain circles, circles maybe that (laughs) I was not unlike a lot of other people that gravitate towards like getting interested in like the paranormal or, you know, witchcraft or whatever, where I would just have these like little one-off experiences. And so my very, very first one that I remember was being at my grandparents' house 
And it was like, you know, and people always kind of go to, oh, the age of the house, which, you know, now that I've been doing this a while, I'm like, well, you know, there's the land underneath the house is some, sometimes where the, the story gets a little bit more rich, uh, gets, gets yeah. richer. But I remember hearing a man cough in my grandparents' basement and there was no, my granddaddy wasn't home. My uncle or, and dad weren't there. There was no man in the house. And like, this is kind of out in the country. And so that was like my very first, like, huh, that's weird. And I was probably four or five. Um, had a lot of like little experiences when I was small. I'm really lucky that I have a very open-minded mom. So I was able to talk with her about the things that I was experiencing. She's also really sensitive and has had a lot of, she's one of those funny people where she'll say, oh, I don't have any good stories. Yeah. I don't have any good stories. But if you get her talking while she's cooking, she will start like, just like, oh, this one time this happened or oh, that one time <laughs> She, she's got stories for days <laughs> and um, definitely had to learn like, you know, my, I was very, very close with my grandparents and I think that they were pretty open-minded. I had some um, extended family that were not. And so I had to learn, I did definitely did have to learn about who I could trust and who um, I couldn't. And, you know, you do get kind of labeled when you're sensitive, you get to hold you're too sensitive or you're, you have a you know very vibrant imagination or you are making things up which that sucks (laughs) um but yeah so I had just a lot of one-off spooky experiences until I was in like my mid-30s and you know and definitely would have those kind of like parallel psychic moments too where you know just be talking with somebody in casual conversation and suddenly I'm calling them by their middle name that they never told me or you know just kind of making a comment about like you know I I, what I know about astrology could fit into a shot glass, but you know, <laughs> like, oh, that's, uh, oh, that's, 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 that's such a typical Taurus thing to say. And this person would stop dead and say, I never told you when my birthday was, you know that. And so those real, like, you know, those are really uncomfortable. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the origin. I, I find that fascinating that you grew up, uh, not like seeking out the paranormal or um, interested in like haunted places or all, you know, all these kind of typical things that uh, people normally say like, oh yeah, I grew up loving this or I had the psychic aunt or this, you know, obviously it runs in your family a little bit. Um, A little bit. Now I will say, both of these things were on parallel tracks. I love spooky stuff. Okay. I, I, and I always have. I mean, I was like the weird kid that was like telling my friends, we should totally just make a Ouija board out of like, a, you know, the backs of our notebooks and let's use okay, like a so you, Okay, so you were, you were into so, that. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I was definitely into it. And it's kind of a chicken and egg question of like, would I have been with it without this other stuff happening? Okay. I'm not totally sure. But no, that was definitely, I don't, I want to make clear. I was a weird spooky kid as well. Okay. As these okay. All right. I love that. I love that thing. Cause yeah, it mentions you in your book that you got your first tarot deck in 1995. Yeah. Um, and then of course, everyone, anyone out there that has dabbled in the tarot knows that you don't learn this overnight, even in a year mm-hmm even more years. And it wasn't until 2013 that you wrote that you became like uh, professionally certified and and started doing it uh, with people. Well, I just started, you know, doing uh, readings. Profe- that's when I started my business and okay. doing professional readings and teaching, you know, because I've been at it for, for quite some time at that yeah. point. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. Because that's, that's one of those things that I've always been fascinating. Even as a kid, I was 14, like, 
begging, like some girl that I, in my art class that sat next to me told me that she would go camping in the summer and there was some little store that had tarot decks. And I, growing up in like this Catholic household that they wanted none of that in the house, I was uh-huh. like, please, 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 when you go there, I'm going to give you $15. Please get me a deck. And like she <laughs> never did. Me. She never did. And I was so bitter about it to this day. But I finally got my first tarot deck. I think it aged when I was 15 and I got it at Lori Cabot's shop in Salem um, nice. back in like oh my god that would that probably was like 1995 uh, yeah. but anyway that was my little tarot story but still <laughs> um so I I just and I like the it so when you started practicing with the tarot cards you wrote that you would start seeing spirits hanging over people and telling you things and kind of just intruding themselves like inserting themselves into the situation and the reading was that something that came right away when you started exp- uh, working with the tarot no so i that really came about as like being a professional reader and starting to like read for people more frequently you know having um you know i'd, I'd go into the shop so i was at a i got hired on as a house reader at the the witch shop is what we call it, the witch shop that now I rent an office at. But, you know, you kind of start out and, you know, you kind of build your clientele. And at a certain point, you know, word got around, I was pretty good at this. And so I would be very busy. And so I would just be doing like readings back to back to back. And I did, I worked every other Sunday as a way to pay for an astronomical childcare. And so I started, that's when I started to notice that there were differences in the message, the ways that the messages came through. Now, I didn't necessarily, I don't always see spirits. Like I do sometimes I see them more in my mind. I can, there's a handful of times that I'm aware of. I've seen spirits with my eyes. Oftentimes it's like a feeling, a presence, like feelings in my body, definitely that inner ear, like clairaudient hearing. Um, But yeah, sometimes it would seem like the messages were coming from the person that I was reading from, like almost a reflection of their own psyche. And then sometimes it was like people, it was like either people were hanging over my shoulder saying, hey, tell them this, tell them this, tell them this. Or it felt like these, they were like these messages coming from something that was kind, but wasn't maybe human it's it's hard to explain it's just they feel different and that's when i started to realize like i gotta investigate this further i need to start like unbraiding all of this because this is just that's part of my personality too is just wanting to make sense of these things and get better um i love tarot and the i just love all this stuff so much and so i want to get like as into it and as good as i can while i can I know there's a few uh, paranormal investigators I know out there that will bring a deck of tarot cards with them to a location they're going to and just sort of do like a three card spread and see yeah. what pops up and see what comes to to them intuitively. And you and kind of just like what, with your experience, you do wonder yeah. if a location does have genuine spirits at it. Maybe that is also just another conduit for them to come through and communicate with you and like just share something. And sometimes I think too, it's also like a part of like, you're almost like your deepest knowing. So for me, I mean, those cards are so, they're such a comfortable tool. And so I like, I've tried to use um, tarot as like a talk to me through my cards. Like if I'm trying to connect with somebody's like granny from the Midwest, 
that doesn't always go so well because that's not maybe granny from the Midwest is like, no, we are Lutheran and we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's still like that, that kind of carries in. Yep. But one of the things that I, I do find helpful is if I'm trying to maybe get a read on like this, lo- this place that I'm in feels really weird. What's going on. It's almost like it gives my subconscious like a language. So maybe I can pull cards, like kind of asking like my own deepest knowing or my highest self. Can you kind of give me some insight about what is going on here and maybe like how I can approach this situation. And that's sometimes when the cards can be very, very helpful. Um, Yeah, there's so many different ways that you can read tarot. And it's cool that there's everybody has their own unique styles, which also makes it really, really neat. Nobody's no, there are no two readers that that do things the same, which I think is awesome. And I mean, when you when you look at like the the endless amounts of styles and art on the tarot, I mean, do you have a particular deck that you love to work with, like Rider Waite or something else? You know, most of the decks that I work with are in the um, the Smith Rider Waite style, okay. and so you know, there's so many variations. But that is like that definitely is the that's the type of deck I work with the most. There are I don't I have like so many as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. Like when you start doing this professionally, <laughs> people give you a lot of decks, and then there's a lot of decks that you can get for yourself. And so I kind of like will sometimes pick decks just based on like the the personalities of the people that I'm working with. I really love um, a modern witch tarot. I love the crow tarot just because I freaking love crows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I there's I I love many. <laughs> It's, I, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I'm not like a, an accomplished reader by any means, but I, I've enjoyed it throughout the years. I still like reading up on it. And then I see that occasional deck out there. And I, I was in a little witch shop over the summer and they had, um, you remember the movie Labyrinth with David Bowie? Oh God, you got the Labyrinth deck. Oh my God, I had to get that. It was too cute. It was too cute. Now I, for some reason I don't connect as well with those. Like if I put it down for some, I can't. I can't take it as seriously. I don't know. It's just a novelty to me. I like the totally. I like the total rider weight, like the Smith. Um, it's just it speaks to me. I love the archetypes in it. Uh, other yeah. people that have tried to sort of throw out their own interpretations of things and cards. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, yeah, it might work yeah. for someone else, but not for me. But those for me. those ones too. I feel like when you talk about archetypes, there is something about that deck. Like I, I feel like it's a. Uh, how to describe it? Its pool is the biggest of um, yes. the subconsciousness, or something. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But, no, I, well, I, I always think of it too that it's like you know, if we think about like ag- you know, when I'm I teach I teach uh, divination, and so what we'll talk about like aggregors a little bit, and you know, all each one of those cards has a spirit that's yeah. been conjured and created and especially with that original you know those that imagery that you know pixie smith created all those years ago with ae weight and there's like there's a spirit that gets you know attributed to that and so i do feel like those original images they come with an like their own power and it's because people have been working with them in this way for so long. I mean, that's got to create some kind of an impression oh, the way to. that I think of it. I, I think the same thing, too, because, I mean, we've talked about things like, which I'm going to ask you about, too, on the show here, um, like the egregores and the thought forms and the tulpas, like yeah. all that. I really believe there is something to that in a lot of a lot of paranormal instances. Um, it's just a fascinating thing. We, we know so little about what the human mind and consciousness can actually accomplish. Um, it's, it's mind boggling, but I, I do want to say, I really, I love your approach to mediumship because in your book, you mention there's the classic techniques, there's mm-hmm. paranormal investigation, which I love because that kind of brings in a little of the, 
don't want to say skepticism, but it helps like curtail things. You can maybe mm-hmm. use that temperature gauge, that EMF, that REM pod uh, you mentioned. Yes. If you like spirit boxes, different tools to sort of help solidify what you're doing if other people out there need some more concrete or different type of evidence. I also love that you mentioned folk magic because yeah. uh, growing up, uh, Wicca became really big like in the 90s and I know in the early 80s and stuff but like when I would go to Barnes and Noble by myself and I try to find some cool book their occult section was like two books big and then mm-hmm. at the time Llewellyn was putting a lot of cool like Wiccan books out there and I remember picking up some stuff and like I'm like it's cool but I don't know if I really like that like whole ritual and making drawing casting down the moon in circles and oh, I don't know if this is for me because coming from a Catholic mm-hmm. background I was overdone with ritual like everything in the church was ritual so I'm like no I don't like that I don't like that and then I remember picking up two books by Scott Cunningham uh, mm-hmm. who's an author who's now passed but he had two books called Earth Magic and another one called like Earth Air Fire Water something like that and it was just a simple little folk magic like little things you can do with a stone, little intentions that you can do with while gazing into a fire. Um, and then uh, on the same level, I remember picking up Silver Ravenwolf's American Folk Magic, which I think is out of print now, but she has some of her stuff still out there um, in other books. But it was kind of that Appalachian Folk Magic combined with like the Conjure and a little bit of Hoodoo. Um, and I became really intrigued by by that magical system. And then that got me kind of on that path of, of learning more and more about that and where it came from. Um, and so when you brought that up, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I love that she brings this up. This is great because folk magic, like you said in the book, it, it kind of brings a little magic to the mundane. And it's not this over the top, like ritualistic magic um, where you got to, you know, I got to get everything just right or I messed up and I'm, I got to start all over. Like that's the feeling it always has. So um, I, I love that you have this in there. So I, it'd be cool if you could kind of explain or just share a little more on on these aspects of of your kind of your kind of big four here of mediumship because I forgot to mention uh, na- you mentioned honing natural talent as well. Yeah, so I will say that I would not be doing the stuff that I'm doing if it hadn't been for having the opportunity to learn folk magic and mm-hmm. learning those folk practices. Cool. Because so. And I definitely want to give a nod to one of my most um, influential mentors, Johannes or Johannes Bjorn Gardbach. He's a he lives in Sweden and he's an internationally known like practitioner of Swedish uh, or Scandinavian folk magic, okay. which is kind of the the overarching term is called trolldom. And I had been uh, chatting with the owner of the witch shop that I rent my office in, Missy Rising, and she had been studying with Johannes and had been talking a lot about like spirits and like spirit attachments and working with spirits of the dead. And it was just in this way that I'd never, it wasn't like spooky and ooky. It wasn't yeah. sensationalized. It was just like spirits exist. We have, they are, they are there. They can sometimes be allies if they are being pests, there's ways to just deal with them. And it was just such a like practical way approach. And I said, you know, Missy, would you be willing to like talk with me and tell me a little bit about what you're learning? And she said, I'll do you one better. Uh, Johannes is looking for one more. Um, he's looking for a new apprentice. And I was really lucky to get that spot. And so I had the opportunity to study with him for a couple of years. And that's like, I mean, that was when I, it just, everything clicked in where it's like, this doesn't have to be this big sensationalized thing. It can be like a practical matter because for someone like me, 
I'm running into this stuff all the time. And so I can't much like you have said, I don't really have, for me, I don't have really the time for like the big, you know, necromantic rituals and things like that, which no, no shade to, you know, the ritual magicians out there. I'm just really bad at following directions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I'm just going to like call it what it is. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I also love like folk remedies are particularly helpful for like, if you live in a haunted space or you're in a haunted space frequently, because there are like things that you can use that either irritate spirits or can placate them, or there's ways to just like Again, folk practices about ways that you can talk to them and get them to like, you know, because my philosophy is that if you've got spirits that maybe have like, you know, let's say spirits of the dead, because I also believe that there's a lot of different types of spirits and we probably only can grasp a small fraction of what might be out there. And, you know, if you've got a spirit that maybe, let's say, just has haunted a house for 200 years, it's a little arrogant to think that you can come in and just like, you know, wave around a little like, you know, bundle of overharvested white sage <laughs> and, you know, some crystals and flick some yeah. holy water around. That's going to solve things. <laughs> Oftentimes, the, I have seen people who will do that. It calms things down for a little bit, but really those spirits are just pissed and they're kind of waiting and then things escalate. So, and this is something that I learned from Johannes is just diplomacy can get you a long way that's another thing that comes from folk magic and yeah and then just like the starting to like get real curious about you know for me it started with getting really curious about like what my you know gifts looked like under like starting to learn about some of like the psychic development stuff learning about the clair senses and yeah tapping into some of those you know classic practices i also have the scott cunningham book like the big the big red book about spirit communications which i love um, but I did realize that there was a gap out there in just like simple instructions, yes. like simple, usable instructions for this stuff. So that's basically how I wrote the book that's in front of you. I keep joking. It's kind of like the stereo instruction manual of mediumship, which was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's a perfect little book because it gives like I didn't you have it. You have your exercises. You don't go into boring amounts of detail about things i i'm a i'm i love this kind of stuff so i will take anyone's like crazy amount of detail on on this but um it just was extremely fast read and then i pulled so much i was surprised at how much i pulled from it that i hadn't really read in recent books so it was really refreshing like i said to to hear about like utilizing paranormal investigation in mediumship um and not being scared to um do that the folk magic aspect um, it's, I know, I, I love that. And I just, I don't know. It was really cool. Um, so it's, Thank you. yes, I, yeah, I, it is so cool to like, so one of my favorite tools that I use, not just with like, it's funny cause I use it with both, um, with mediumship, but also just like divination and then with magical, like if I'm doing like spell work, I love having a K2 meter around like for everything yeah. because it's so interesting. Like if I'm just kind of, you know, cause sometimes you'll have those moments of, I'm always having to toe that. And I think all mediums do this, like, especially those who work with clients, you have to toe that line or you should be towing that line of, is this, it does this, is this real? Is this real? Like, is there a chance that my brain is coming, you know, kind of filling in gaps? Am I, am I cold reading? You know I mean? Like we have to, we have to be conscious of all the ways that we can like fill in gaps and be really honest with the people that we're doing this for of, 
you know, I can't make any promises, but the one thing, except the one promise I can make is I will do my absolute best. I will be honest about what I'm experiencing. If I'm not sure if this is what this means, I will tell you what that is. But it is interesting when some you're feeling something and, you know, suddenly it's like, okay, the room got cold and either, you know, maybe like a, a REM pod that has like a temp gauge on it, or I have, I have a tortoise, a Russian tortoise. So I have a temperature gun that I use for his like habitat. Oh, yes. That's a really cool yeah. thing to have around where yep. it's like the temperature just sunk or it feels yep. like it did. Let me grab the temp gun and just take a quick read to see like, did that, is that real? Or is it just something that I'm, I think I'm feeling or when I see like the little K2 and like, it's starting to have those spikes and like nothing else has changed in the environment. And it's really neat too, when that happens, um, in divination or like especially when practicing like spell work you're kind of building that energy and getting ready to focus and suddenly if you start getting those spikes it's interesting because it tells you it just gives you a little hint that something is happening yeah might not know exactly what it is but there's clearly a change in the environment and i just think that that is so that's just so cool <laughs> no that, that that really is i didn't even think about having gadgets around you while doing something like spell work just to see if you can get like you said like the k2 or that little emf uh dial to just kind of go boop boop see what happens because yeah. it, it's just confirmation that i'm doing something my intention's going out there it's making a physical effect on the world somehow um totally. which is really what you know I, I believe magic is it's just your intentions manifested into reality Absolutely. so when you can kind of measure it even cooler so totally when it when we're talking here too also about ghost hunting, I one of the biggest fears I feel people have about probably getting into mediumship or in, in our realm when we've talked to people said, Oh yeah, we're going to, you know, this haunted house over here, and we're gonna do this. And they're like, Aren't you scared something's gonna come back with you? And so I feel like the spirit attachment is everyone's biggest fear. And you write that spirit attachments can bring about classic haunted house phenomena. And they mm -hmm. can affect one's moods, dreams, thoughts, and physical body. How often do you notice spirit attachment actually happening? Well, it kind of depends on the on the person. So I think that for most of the time, for your average person who's like going out and exploring like a haunted location, yeah. like you know, going yeah. and doing that cemetery tour, that like ghost tour, yep. at, you know, at Halloween you're going to be okay. Now, every once in a while, though, something will stick to you. And I think that that especially happens when people with people who are sensitive, um, with people too, who maybe are provoking, you know, if you are, or, you know, provoking or trying to specifically conjure something up, bring something in and then don't tell it to go away. <laughs> And tell it like, you got to just tell these things like you can't come with me. Um, you know, for somebody like me who I mean, this is just what I'm this is my job. And this is like what I do day in and day out. I have to be really conscious of, you know, we we open up this time to share. And then it's time for everybody to go. Every once in a while, there is something that doesn't want to leave, especially if I do have somebody that I'm like, maybe will come to me because they they suspect or know that they've got something who's stuck to them. I mean, there are people that I've I've worked with. They are fewer than you would think. I mean, they are like once every couple of years. I'll get somebody who and I, I tell one of the stories in the book, um, Sarah's story, which, you know, that's not her real name. She gave full permission and, you know, reviewed it before it went in there. But, you know, somebody who they something sticks to them and it stays with them for years and can really cause problems in their life. I mean, something like that is not to be 
trifled with. It does take some work to get get it to go away, um, get rid of it. It can be done. Um, there's definitely been situations that I've encountered that I won't touch. I'll refer to my mentor, you know, somebody, an, an elder for me. Um, yeah, but this, you do have to be, so for like the average person who's nervous about this, you do have to be conscious that if you want to take steps to engage with something that you don't understand, you have to understand that it's, you're going to get some, if you ask for engagement, you're going to get some kind of engagement and it's not necessarily going to be exactly what you want it to look like. That's just like, we don't have much like we don't have control. Like when we share our thoughts and feelings about something with the living, we don't necessarily have control about how they are going to react. It's even more so if we can't even see or be completely sure of what it is that we're engaging with. And at the same time, you know, what I was taught was that this world is ours. This physical reality is ours. And we are more powerful than anything that doesn't have a body simply by virtue of being alive. And this is our reality. And so just having the ability to say, I'm I'm willing to talk with you right now. When we're done, you don't get to follow me home. And just stating that and yeah. believing it. And then maybe having like a few little extra, you know, again, some folk practices that you can use to keep your house, you know, spiritually clean and all of that. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of, sorry, it's kind of like an answer, non-answer of like, yeah, you got to be worried. You got to be cautious of these things or, you know, cognizant of it, but then also just be, step into your power. And if you don't want something to follow you home, tell it, it can't right. follow, you, follow you home. Why, Easy. In, in your experience, cause you do, you give some multiple, um, reasons in the book, but what is, what do you feel is the most common reason spirits kind of stick around? Good question. You know, for the for the nastier ones, I think sometimes it is that they don't want to face whatever's coming next. Yeah. Um, it does seem like there is accountability for, you know, our actions, both good and bad. You know, sometimes we might find out that we impacted people in really wonderful ways that we weren't aware of. So there's kind of like that review. And I've heard a lot of practitioners speak to to that. Sometimes there is just that classic unfinished business. Um there's a family that's very, very dear to me, and they had two just utterly tragic losses in October of last year, two young men who died in a car accident. And those boys, I swear, they have spent, they have visited, there's probably like 30 people that have like, have had an experience of these kids coming to visit them. And they just have a lot of checking in to make sure that people are okay. And they seem to be getting faint, not fainter, but like they're moving farther and farther away. The visitations seem to be getting uh, more spaced out, the more confident that they are, that their, their loved ones are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do sometimes think that there are spirits that maybe get a little confused that, you know, maybe even just don't know that they have passed. Yeah. And it does seem like that tends to clear itself up at a certain point, but you know, there might be spirits that, you know, mediums might encounter or you might encounter if you're a paranormal investigator where maybe you might need to say, like, you know, are you, are you aware that you have died? Right. If, do you see a tunnel or a light or is there somebody that preceded you in death that you would like to be able to see again and kind of like just put those prompts in? There are spirits that they just need that slight little provocation because they genuinely are confused and kind of like lost in a fog. But again, that's like my best guess based on my experience. Yeah. We won't know until we we won't know until we get there. Right. 
Um, You have a really sweet story about your father's ghost. Do you mind sharing that with listeners? Oh, yeah, you bet. So my my father was a complex man. He was a, my parents were silversmiths. Um, I grew up in, gosh, I grew up all over the West, but um, some of my earliest memories were being in New Mexico and Santa Fe in the 80s. That's where my parents, you know, they were jewelers and it was, it was pretty cool. And at the same time, my dad also was abusive and an alcoholic. And so he ended up dying at age 48 as a result of his alcoholism. And it was pretty traumatic and incredibly sudden and tragic. And I was, oh my gosh. I mean, it was just such a, my poor mother was the one who ended up finding him. And it was just, we're just like those first couple days, we were both just in a fog. She was, she was still living out in the country. That's where my parents were. It was um, north of town in Laramie, Wyoming. And I lived, uh, I lived in town. And I just remember walking down to our little downtown area and I popped my, one of my best friends just happened to be visiting and we, she was just like, let's just go for a walk. You need some, some fresh air. And we popped into this chocolate store that I used to, um, that I used to work in. And it was run by our home, like the hometown psychic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the hometown psychic, she hears me, she asks, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, not so good. And I explain what happened. And she just gets that look on her face, which now I recognize because I get that look sometimes of like, oh, something you're tapping into something. And she says, honey, can I talk with you? And she pulls me into the back. And she says, I would normally never do this. I would never spring this on somebody. But I feel like I need to tell you that I can see your father standing at a door. And he's not able to go through until he knows that you and your mom are willing to forgive him. Now, part of me is like, you know, that's classic him because I'm like, you don't, I don't owe you my forgiveness. And at the same time, I'm like, that is so him. (laughs) So I go, she gives me some suggestions for a little ritual to do with my mother. And so I call my mom, I tell her what happened. And, you know, she's a believer and she, we'd been hearing him in the house. I was like, even though I lived in town, I was like sleeping at the, at the house to be closer to her. And I mean, we could hear him walking through the house at night. Um, There had been, this is not in the book, but one of the things that had happened was my mom was like looking for the death certificate and she heard a crash in the bedroom, which is where he died. And she goes in and what had been his bedside lamp was thrown across the room. And uh, sitting next to that was the death certificate. My mom still maintains that he did not know that he had died until he saw that. And so this like experience with the hometown psychic happened probably a couple days after that. And so, you know, I go home and my mom and I like, you know, we, we, we set the stage, we did this little ritual and it involved, you know, kind of telling him, how this had affected us, but also being willing to say that, you know, we want you to to find peace and to, to move forward. And the minute that we were done, the phone rings and the answering machine clicks over and it's his voice. And there was just something, you know, there's still those moments of meaning and those synchronicities that again, a skeptic could explain it away. It's just chance. It's coincidence. Um, and it also happened to be a neighbor that he couldn't stand who was like a super nosy person. And it just was such a funny moment. And it was that that confirmation that he heard us. And then the next day, um, the psychic reached out and she says, you did that that ritual, didn't you? And we're like, yep. And she's like, I can't see him there anymore. So for for that's an example, like at least in our family, of what unfinished business looked like for us. I, that's that's an amazing story. I, I imagine one of the most rewarding things for you in this 
in, in this practice is kind of having giving people that experience, that kind of closure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this happens like I mean, that's what when people come to mediums, often they're looking for that solace or some type of closure with a loved one. It's true. It's a gift. And it's also, you know, it's such a, I mean, it's a heavy mantle to carry. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, that I, I encounter a lot of people who, you know, they want to be able to do this. And I'm just, you really do need to be very conscious of your ego, yeah. your um, not wanting to, and also too, you've got to be really authentic about what it is that you're experiencing. Cause I'll tell you, sometimes you don't get anything. Yeah. You've got to be willing to like, you never, ever, never make something up to bring someone peace. Like I remember this one time um, there was a, and there's no grief that is, I, no, I'm not going to say there's no grief, 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 bitter, bigger than, than this, but one of the most profound griefs anyone can go through is losing a child. Yeah. Um, you know, something, you know, by the grace of God, go I, may I never experience that, that pain. And I remember this one time, you know, doing mediumship for a parent who had lost an adult child and they were in this anger and kind of retribution. They wanted somebody to pay for their loss and the message and, and they wanted, they were hoping that their loved one would give them confirmation that this was, this is what they would have wanted. And it was really hard because it was like, I mean, this person might've been screaming like, no, don't do this. I don't want this. And trying to find that balance of like being kind and compassionate to this person is having these feelings for a reason they're in pain and also honoring the the messages that I was getting. I mean, I, I remember being done. This was, a, this was years ago, but I remember having this moment of like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Uh, yeah, I Because <laughs> that, that was really freaking hard. And, but that is like, but then there are those moments where you just you the room fills with with love and i mean the the feeling of someone else coming in is palpable and there's healing and there is that closure it's it's beautiful um and then sometimes you have the family members where they're like what are you doing i'm not this is this is silly <laughs> why, are, why are we doing this like all if you want to talk to me all you have to do is talk to me all area right. um those are always really fun and funny ones too a <laughs> lot of midwestern grannies definitely grandmas and grandpas from the midwest who are like why are we do what is all of this fuss about um anyway sorry that was a little bit of a, a tangent no uh, we love tangents on this show and and right right with when you said don't give people fake answers. Sometimes I don't have answers for people right there. I was like, boom, she's in our like ghostly talk, awesome medium circle because <laughs> that's, um, that's what I always look for. Uh, mediums that who aren't scared to admit that sometimes you don't receive a message. I know um, one of the uh, uh, mediums we know and we work with, uh, she has said, I have had someone sit down in front of me. They hand me their money and I try to tap in and I try and I try and I try and nothing happens. And she says, I regrettably, you know, have to give them their money back and say, you know, maybe you can come back tomorrow, you know, if it's at like a conference or some kind of, you know, weekend thing. Um, but that's to me, that shows integrity. Like you're not just pulling something out of your ass to just be like, well, I got to make this money and give them a message and I can cold read them. You know, who cares? Um, that shows that shows something. So, well, and I will say, you know, and here's the kicker, though, too, is that. You know, I mean, this is my job. And yeah. it's one of those things where I do have, like, you have to acknowledge, like, gotta, <laughs> it's on my website that you, ha- you have to know coming in, I can't make it. The one thing, the one promise I can make is that you are, I will give you everything that I've got. And, but, you know, it's one of those beautiful things where it is a, le- a leap of faith. And 
you know, the people are, are usually willing to give it a shot when they're at the point that they they want to be able to talk with somebody like me. They're willing to give it a shot. So it is. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing. Also, one thing I loved that I read was uh, in your chapter on ethical considerations, something <laughs> I don't often read is about saying that spirits are sovereign beings and it's not necessarily everyone's duty to cross you know quote cross them over or send them to the light that might not be what they want to do or what they're intended to do and i found that extremely refreshing because that is one of the kind of i i think i hate to say tired tropes but one of the things Mm -hmm. that happens so often within paranormal if someone's watching paranormal television shows out there movies you Mm -hmm. know it's go to the light go to the light (sighs) carol ann you know like that whole thing goes it's just been around forever so Uh i found that again refreshing that you're like yeah this doesn't have to be every paranormal investigator or medium's duty to just kind of sweep the spirits off the street well it's a little arrogance you know i think it's just one of those uh, kind of going back to that idea that you might have a purpose here. Maybe there's like very important work that you need to do. Maybe there's like something, maybe you are here for a very important reason and it's part of your like spiritual evolution. Who am I to say? As long as you're not messing with anyone. So it's kind of like, as long as everyone's staying in their lane, being nice, (laughs) not wreaking havoc, that's kind of for me the sweet spot that I don't have a lot of um, patience for. Can I swear on this show? You can. Uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of patience for the savior bullshit. Like that's not. That's not my. That's not my thing. Yeah. Well, that made me think though, and you, you may have just answered this though with the not messing with people, uh, bit of this. So I mean, this idea we're talking about, if we're to say that a spirit maybe doesn't necessarily need to you know, go to the light, let's say, or move mm-hmm. forward in their spiritual level evolution, whatever that may be. We'll, we won't know until we go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's assumed, but that basically says then that they have some sort of influence, like a spirit can have, or, a, or an energy, you know, an entity, mm-hmm. uh, whatever energy it is, it ha it can have some sort of influence. And that mm-hmm. answers a lot of questions. If you, take that path of thinking because a lot of people uh, I have family members who believe in spirit and they asked they asked our dead relatives questions and they see signs they see things that's one example right Mm -hmm. but just what you said maybe they have they have something they need to do here maybe they Mm -hmm. still have something they need to do and they don't necessarily need to be in a flesh suit to do it Right. Mm -hmm. They can they can be something else and cause influence or move the needle from where they're at. Create synchronicities. Yeah. I mean, just whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Right. So that's an interesting idea because you're you're right. I think the 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 way of thinking ever since I started studying this stuff and that was 300 years ago now, it feels (laughs) like um, has always been. That it's our job as people in our flesh flesh suits to <laughs> move these spirits forward yeah. because heaven forbid they interrupt us watching, you know, Co- Welcome Back Cotter or something one night. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, but they need, you, you pesky little spirit, you need to move forward now and not stay in this damn house. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So 
I've never really um, have had it presented to me that way. It's a really compelling idea that yeah. maybe you know maybe there is that idea that there there could be and it, I know some people would call it purgatory or something like that. I have you know read articles from people who have said you know there it isn't necessarily purgatory there is this center space or maybe it's this you know this bleed space between the two these two bigger areas uh, these two bigger spaces that some people do chill out in for a while cuz maybe they are mm -hmm. confused a little bit maybe they're not ready to move forward maybe they have some things they still need to do yeah right yeah. So and I guess I could see, I mean, I can play, you know, I'm here now, I'm like wanting to play devil's advocate with myself where I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I just got done saying that this world is for the living. So, I mean, I guess there are folks that they could say, no, this is our world and it's time for you to move out. I just, have the two of you ever experienced like a cozy haunting, like a haunting that just isn't like, it doesn't really feel like it's kind of nice. Yeah. I've been places where they tell you about this spirit that's supposed to reside in the house or whatever. And and you're like, oh, this nothing feels bad here. Like I would, I love the idea. There's a library spirit in this hotel in Petoskey, Michigan, which is this adorable little resort town. And my buddy that mm -hmm. goes up there all the time, he's just like, I'm not going near the library. And I'm like, that is the most, like you said, cozy spirit. Like you're just sitting in there giving book recommendations because people will come in and certain books will be out open to certain pages. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that those are the things where I'm just like, you know, those sweet moments that I feel like a lot of us have had. And I feel like that's sometimes what, I mean, what mediumship is meant to do to like kind of conjure those, those opportunities for like the dead to pop in and, and give us those, like those little sweet interactions. I just, I can't imagine wanting to like get all aggressive and Carol Ann, like, as you said, Carol Ann, go to the light. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't imagine wanting to do that because that just is so sweet and kind and, um, now, definitely, I've lived in places that if I'd had the tools back in the day to clear things out, I would have done it in a heartbeat because it was awful living there. And then I've lived other places where it's just like, oh, I just feel like there's these like kind of kindly caretakers that I yeah. never see who help to keep an eye on things. And that's nice. Well, and this is an easy opportunity to take another stab at Hollywood, though, too. And I know we keep saying, well, Caroline, I'm But you know what? I mean, I've said this way before and i'll say it now hollywood has had a lot of it i think a lot of influence i think hollywood's responsible for a lot of people getting into this field right and and spielberg may have had a part in that oh sure where we have this whole group of people now that their automatic thing of thinking is well that's what that's what that's what zelda did in poltergeist she said to get that thing to the light right i mean i'm not i don't want to ride on this for too long but it could be one of those influences, and oh, that's it, why a lot of is. people think that way. It is. Right. Like, just, yeah, there's so much in our ghost lore, um, even in stories and, and, yeah, TV shows, everything that affects how people look and, and do things, you know, right yeah. now. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, well, and I will say, as somebody who is influenced on Hollywood, and that if I could be, like, any chance I get a chance to pull out the uh, the Whoopi Goldberg line of, like, Molly, you and Danger Girl. Danger Girl. Like, <laughs> pull that out in a heartbeat. Now, one of the things that kind of became a unique aspect of, of uh, I guess, our lives was living through a pandemic, which many uh -huh. people, if you're listeners in the U.S., uh, probably were uh, 
didn't think you'd ever live through something like this. This bit happens bit to the other countries, yeah. right? You know, and so this mm-hmm. happens, and all of a sudden our world gets turned upside down, and we have to start doing things more virtual. And so you mention in your book the virtual seance, and this is something where I don't think many, many years ago I would have been like, no. No, that's not right. The com- now that's computers, so somehow it's fake or it's false. And mm-hmm. also you, that person should have to be uh, right next to you. And now I don't believe that. I don't believe – I think you can tap into someone's energy. It's not restricted by uh, time and place and, and the person being in front of you. And also I, I know from an energy reader that I absolutely recommend to anybody who lives in um, uh, in Michigan. She does stuff from the phone and everyone's blown away. She does not have to be in front of people. Um, And so, like, I started kind of doing away with that outdated notion. It's like the world is changing. Um, The Internet, our technology is an extension of human beings. You know, it's like we walk around now with, like, one of our hands is a phone, a computer. (laughs) It's just that. It's not a hand. It's a computer. So I, I, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your experience with starting and, and doing virtual seances. Yeah, so I, I mean, the I started studying with Johannes, my my mentor, um, my folk magic mentor. I started studying with him in January of 2020, and then two months later, we all know what yeah, happened. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, my one of my coping mechanisms was I was just like all in. I needed something, you know. The I mean, we all had our own versions of the fear, the anxiety, the frustration. And for me, one of the things that I channeled that into was my studies and my practice. And so my lessons with him were I would get up every Wednesday at 440 in the morning um, because he's in Sweden. And so I would get up for my Zoom lessons. And then I was up usually at like 5 or 530 most other weekdays so I could practice what I was learning and then I was also working with clients once I was, you know, I was, I spent um, almost 20 years as a professional advocate for victims and survivors of crime. Okay. And I, I had this business for, for 10 years. Um, I started that in 2013. And so like, these were kind of two parallel things. And then I kind of realized I was, turns out being a, a victim advocate for that long, you, you can get a little crunchy, a little crispy. Oh, I bet. <laughs> a little I bet. Out. And I was ready to, to, you know, kind of give this, this other job my all. Um, so I would get done with my my workday at, at the victim advocacy nonprofit, and then I would see clients a lot of days, and that all had to be virtual. And so I had people that they and I'd already started to do like a little bit of like virtual like spirit. I call them spirit contact sessions, like those one to one little mini seances is basically what they are. And then I knew that I wanted to be able. I was getting pretty good at this stuff, and I love teaching. I have a background as like a I did a lot of professional training. I really love like bringing people to learn in groups. And I knew I wanted to be able to offer a mediumship program. And I knew that the capstone had to be practice. And so I decided I was like, before I even like conceptualize this program, I need to see if I can try if I can do a virtual seance. And so I reached out to my some of my friends in kind of the witchcraft and magical world. And these were all people that I knew were pretty sensitive to begin with. And so we just got together. And I had my um, so one of the things that we work with, let me back up a minute. One of the things that my mentor had taught me was the importance of meditation. And one of the meditation like techniques that we use that you see a, a lot in the book, sorry to anybody who's not a good visualizer, <laughs> is we use mind rooms where basically you create a mental room 
And that's where you can go to do a lot of different, you can have mind rooms for a lot of different purposes. In this case, it was basically creating a mind room that we all go into to practice this, you know, to, to hold seance together. And it was fascinating because some of, so one of the people that was in this little like practice run, um, he just kind of like physical media, like physical things tend to get like triggered around him. Um, like for me, temperature changes tend to happen around me. Uh, that's just like something that it's just one of the things that kind of comes along. If I, that's what I bring in with me when I'm in, in a seance space. For this person, um, knocks and things falling off of shelves and doors opening, that tends to happen around this individual. And so it was just really interesting to like be in this space together where even though we're not sitting together in a room, we're still sitting together in spirit and somebody is perceiving the spirit of a cat behind this one woman. And then suddenly for this other person who is across town, something just gets batted off of a shelf. Wow. Like to the point, it was like a bottle of Florida water. Wow. And all of a sudden he's like, I, I got to get up. Like there's like a bottle of Florida water that just got knocked off a shelf and, a shelf and it's like spilling everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, that's something that a cat would do. Yeah, right? totally. And so it was a really powerful and interesting experience. For me, I find that the grounding that you do together is incredibly important. Um, every seance, whether it's in person or virtual, is different. Uh, the tone is different. The energy is different. The spirits that come in are different. Sometimes they're very sweet and positive and contained. Sometimes they are really wild and it feels like things could go really, things could go a lot of different ways. I mean, I've definitely had a couple where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, this is like pushing the edge of what I feel like I can hold space for. And then sometimes there's been seances where very little happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's there is something incredibly special about bringing people physically together and like doing it old school, like with your hands on the table. And it's also really interesting to envision a mind room, yeah. and a mental table that I, we like, are all in together, and we're we're whole, we're putting our our hands down yeah. on this table, pinky to pinky, but it's all in our minds, and yet we're still having these experiences. It is super cool. Yeah, I, and I think that gives hope. There's so many people out there that. Um, in some of the groups, the paranormal groups I'm in on, on so other social media stuff where you see someone that's just like the lone, like lonely person. They're like, I wish yeah. there was someone who lived near me that could do this with me or hang out or go to this place. And and if in, 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 in this instance where if someone wanted to start practicing mediumship or any kind of other um, energy work or something, it's like, well, you can like it's mm -hmm. it's shown to happen. Like people have experiences in this idea of creating this mind space. Um, it's, it's, I just, I love that. And I just, so yeah, anybody, any listener out there, um, I think know that, yeah, you can go find your, go find your cool internet buddy that you chat with and be like, ah, oh, I heard totally. Sterling Moon said, do this. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, make like, your internet friends. Yes. I mean, it is, what an amazing I mean, yes, I know that technology is could eventually be our downfall. And at the same time, how amazing it really is. is. It? I, I so still amazing. think I still think technology is awesome. I'm I'm kind of happy to be alive when I am like I had that. Yeah. I was born in uh, 1980. So I was still like that had like yeah. a few feet like with no technology. But then I had the rest of it was like, ooh, computers. I could play Oregon Trail in fourth grade, and I could start doing some cool computer stuff. And then like totally. the phones happened, and the internet happened, and just all that stuff. And it's just, I, I love it. I know there's some yeah, like old timers that are like, 
oh, I'm glad we didn't, I didn't grow up with any of that. And I'm like, mm, you're missing out. Now I will say I am one year older than you. The one thing I'm glad that I didn't grow up with was social media because uh, I made yes. really yes. bad choices and I'm really fucking glad that there's yes. no documentation about that. Yes. Pardon my language once no. again. <laughs> I 100%, 100%, anything that I've ever said to someone out there is, I am exactly, I am happy. I did not grow up with that because if you, thankfully I was not someone who got bullied um, or anything like that. I saw, but I witnessed other people get bullied, like even on the school bus, like just going to school yeah. and you're starting to get bullied by like the jerk in the back. And, but at least when you got off that bus, you were like, I'm home. Yeah, you're home. I'm that's, in my that's safe the end of it space. For a day. Totally. You know, you could go hang out with a friend somewhere where you knew yeah. no one was going to find you. And now it's just like, it can be everywhere, any place, any time. And, yeah. and the whole world can see yeah. it. So, well, you know, and I think, for every action, there's a reaction, yeah. and I see and hear it more and more, and I'm happy to see it more and more in regards to that, Amber. Yeah. There is a movement, and I'm, I'm enjoying watching it happen, frankly, because, you know, I... I, I know you were Miss Popularity growing up, Amber. But I was I not. I, I was a weird, quote, alternative kid. I was a fat kid with a mullet and a Metallica well, t-shirt. the mullet, that was no a chance. bad choice. I had no chance. <laughs> I, was, I got beat up every day. But, um, you know, and yeah, growing, you know, I'm perfectly well adjusted. I don't hold any, I don't hold that many grudges. <laughs> but, oh. but, but no, I, I, it's just, I, I get that. You know, it, it was a thing where I got home. It's like, okay, well, you know. Move on with your life. But, yeah, I'm seeing this movement happen, and it's nice to see where, yeah, kids aren't getting a break. They're not getting a break nowadays. And I could only imagine. Yeah. I said this to a friend of mine over the weekend. I said, I could never imagine, you know, he's a younger person, and I'm like, I could never imagine growing up in the world that you're growing up in right now because it was totally different when I was your yeah. age. Um, there, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, okay, well, this is the way the world is now. No, this needs to stop. Mm -hmm. This is one yeah. of those one of those things I do draw the line with and say, okay, I understand that we're moving forward and there's a younger generation taking things over. You're causing suicide. Well, now AI is coming, so yeah, it's well, just it's the end of it the world. Sentient, as we yeah, know it. it becomes sentient, and we all get murdered. Yeah, it's yeah. Skynet. <laughs> The Terminator we're tries to arrest. We're basically conjuring. Him. We're conjuring the super spirits. We're like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, if there's anything, I mean, self-immolation. That's what I've always said. This, this, uh, this race will just kill itself. Where, where are we? We're, we're ending. We're this, our own. This episode. Episode. We're ending. <laughs> we're hey, ending hey guys, really yeah, we're keeping this really positive. <laughs> doom yeah. and destruction. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we got dark there for a second. Oh my god. Well, that's what social media. Well, will you do don't talk about bullying around me. It upsets me. I'm sorry. It triggers me. I'm sorry. It triggers I'm sorry. me. Sorry, triggered you. Triggers me. Well. Sterling, we had a fabulous time talking Thank, to you. Yeah, thank and you so I much. definitely know we could talk like for a whole nother hour because there's so many aspects of this book we didn't even touch on. Um, there are like like elementals, deities, um, all kinds of cool stuff. Even the fact that you mentioned that you, you wish more people in the paranormal would um, kind of work with UFO alien stories and stuff because there's so totally. many cross correlations between like haunted type phenomena, which oh, we always talk about on the show. So we are going to definitely like, buy the book. You got to buy the book. Get you got to check it out. We're going to have it linked up. Where can everyone find you? If someone out there does want a reading from you, can they get one from you? They totally can. Yes. The best place to keep up with me is on my website, which is sterlingmoontarot.com. Awesome. And follow her on social media because she's on Instagram. I know she's there. I saw her today. More than we are. <laughs> More than we are. More than we are. Yeah, I'm on there. I'm at the <laughs> underscore sterling underscore moon. I, there was, yeah, there. 
I've had inst- Instagram woes. So it's oh, a fair, I know. I, my old account that I've had for seven years was deactivated. I, yes. But that's a whole other story. I, yes. Anybody, the last thing I'll quickly say is yeah. that um, uh, lots of people that do tarot readings, um, any type of spiritual reading, of, often have their accounts um, faked by people yeah. who then friend other people that are friends on the other person's page. You were talking about this the and other day. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then DM yes. them quickly and go, you know, I feel a spiritual connection with you. Would you like oh, yeah. a reading from me? And some people, especially if it's like a kind of a celebrity name That's out lame. there, so they're lame. like, oh, what? So I know like um, mm-hmm. Dana Matthews out there, um, one of the ladies I know in the paranormal, she had someone hack her account and – She's like, oh, my God, I would never solicit anybody like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just gross that someone and someone fell for it. And she felt and that's so exactly horrible. What happened. That's exactly what happened to me. And when I reported it, I got flagged for copyright infringement of my own stuff. And oh. my account got deactivated. Oh it's funny because I have I talk about this in the last chapter of the book yeah. of Red Flags. So, babies, any of you out there listening who find me on social media, I will never end up sliding into your DMs. Yeah. You, I have a whole ass website for you to book readings. So that is like little PSA. Yeah. Like never, ever, never engage with somebody who slides in your DMs like that yep. on social media. All right. We right. are going to end it here. Yeah, we ended it dark, but that's all right. We ended it dark, and it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Because that comes with the again. world. That, but we want we'll to have you back we'll anytime. Um, you were awesome. Thank you so much, Sterling. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Ghostly Talk! <laughs> <laughs>